and welcome to mini episode 162 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 11th of January 2022. And story number one comes from Kate. As long as I can remember, I have been plagued with incredibly vivid dreams. So vivid that I can feel the detail of my dreams. Like the cold ground under my feet. Or the searing pain of an injury or the damp smell of my surroundings. Sometimes I can even feel the heaviness of my own eyelids, disorientation and ringing in my ears when I know I'm asleep but I can't open my eyes to wake up and stop the dream. Sometimes I dream within my dream and then think I'm awake when I'm really not. If I do manage to fight it off and wake up, no matter how long I'm awake, if I go back to sleep, The dreams usually pick up where they left off and continue on. Sometimes I have horror story dreams. Sometimes they're more like an action movie. Sometimes there are even surreal comedic moments. My dreams are unsettling for an adult to have and just plain baffling for a child to have had, especially since I avoided scary movies and spooky stories like The Plague when I was young. I had a normal, happy, boring childhood I'm convinced that the darkness in my head comes from somewhere else entirely. A few favourite examples of these dreams are as follows. 1. I'm being chased by a horrid creature while leaving a group of people and trying to escape. And when I try to hide, I am found and devoured by the creature. This repeats over and over again on a loop until I wake up completely terrified and panicked. Sometimes the point of view changes and I'm the monster devouring the people I love. Number two, I'm part of a drug smuggling ring. We hide drugs as powdered laundry detergent. I am betrayed by a fellow member of the ring and I'm shot in a scuffle. I then fall into a body of water and I drown. Number three, my bearded dragon escapes and gets exposed to radiation and then proceeds to destroy my city. I try to stop him with no success. Number four, my husband becomes an evil version of himself who tortures me in many ways, including bodily harm, cheating on me, abusing me, etc. Number five, my childhood home is a haunted house. All my family members and loved ones are ghouls, zombies or occupants ready to torment me. The details are shocking and unnerving every time. There are so many more. A lifetime of material if I ever wanted to write creepy fantasy novels. As you can imagine... Feeling dreams this deeply messed with my head as a kid and continues to make me question my own reality as an adult. To make matters worse, the shadow was sometimes around. In the moments when I was drifting off to sleep, the moments where you might open your eyes just a sliver, sometimes he was there, swirling in the corners of my vision. The moments when you suddenly wake up in the middle of the night and your eyes bolt open, Sometimes he was there looming at the foot of my bed or in an upper corner of my room. Just often enough for me to be infinitely familiar with his appearance, but just infrequent enough for me to question myself and my sanity entirely. He looks like a swirling, nebulous column of black smoke or energy, about six and a half foot tall and about eight inches or so wide. He does not have eyes, but where eyes would be, There are two points that lack any colour whatsoever. They are pearlescent clear 
and feel like they could absorb your whole soul if they wanted to. When I see him, I expect to feel fear, and I'm typically afraid of everything, but I don't. I feel like everything stands eerily still for a moment, including time itself. In this moment, he demands to be acknowledged and gets very upset if I try to ignore him. When ignored, he acts out for attention by tapping on my window and keeping me awake, leaning close and causing a ringing in my ears so I can't sleep, making me see spiders or beetles crawling in my peripheral vision, and of course, being the diabolical puppet master behind my dark and twisted dreams. I am certain he used them to torment and punish me when I don't do what he wants. As a kid, I would get upset about the dreams and go to my parents for comfort. They would always downplay what was happening, tell me I just had a wild imagination or that this was normal for everyone. I only mentioned my shadow to my parents once. Their faces became cold and hardened. My dad in particular told me I was not to talk about those things and that I should be ashamed for even believing something like that could be happening to me. Ghosts weren't real, they yelled. I started to cry and my mom hugged me. I happened to peek through her hair and watched as my shadow hovered on top of the curtain rod in their room, watching me for a moment, and then slowly dissipated. My parents were typically good-natured people. I had never seen them act like that before. It scared me enough to not question them about my shadow ever again. Life went on. Every strange feeling, every flicker in my vision, every vivid dream, everything I have seen but wasn't sure. I explained and rationalised away. I got very good at pretending to be normal. It wasn't until my early 20s that I got more context to my story. My grandma had lost my grandpa the year before, so we were spending more time with her trying to help her cope and trying to keep her healthy because she'd given up on taking care of herself. She stopped taking her antidepressants, wasn't sleeping at night and wasn't eating well. It was during one of our interactions when I'd gone to her new apartment to keep her company and do some housework for her. She had always been stoic. My father's entire side of the family was very withdrawn about anything emotional. They didn't talk about mental health or family problems if at all possible. She started spilling everything she was thinking to me, like all her previous inhibitions were completely gone. I learned that her and my grandpa's relationship had a dark side. He was abusive and he had cheated and he controlled everything about every aspect of her life. She saw things and felt things that she didn't understand and when she told him about it, he made sure that he handled it by having her medicated. She was told she had severe mental health issues and was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. She had never said anything like this to me before. She rambled on about some more things that she had seen before and I honestly wrote it off as low blood sugar nonsense. Then the phone call started. She would call in the middle of the night for weeks, screaming that there were people banging on her windows at night. Again, that bugs were crawling all over her floor, that there were shadowy figures hiding behind her couch, like children waiting to play, or my grandpa back and angry and yelling at her. She was losing her grip on reality. That's how my family explained it all. The candid sharing continued when we would spend time together. The more she would ignore her medication, the more detailed she would be. She explained that my grandpa's dad was also incredibly abusive 
and that his wife, in short, was crazy. She saw things that weren't there. She was overly emotional and fragile. With every new detail, the sense of dread built in my stomach. Was that my problem? Was I going to eventually lose my grip on reality? Was mental illness in my family the driving force behind my shadow and my incredibly vivid dreams? I stubbornly decided that I would not be led to insanity by my broken brain. Nothing was there, I told myself. I had recently ended an abusive relationship. I was changing my life for the better. I went on medication. I just had anxiety. And I convinced myself that was the reason for my shadow. I was determined not to repeat the troubled cycle my family had been perpetuating. Fast forward eight years to now. I decided to entertain the idea that it may not all be my imagination, that my shadow might actually be real. I don't know what's scarier, slowly going insane or dealing with the fact that I might have a spirit attached to my family. Will my sweet husband eventually succumb to the darkness and turn into an abusive nightmare like previous generations? Is the darkness I have seen deep in his bright blue eyes during our worst fights really him or something more insidious? Am I doomed to repeat the cycle? I'm extra spooked today as I write this because I've never given my shadow a name until today. Without even thinking about it, as I was telling my husband this story, I stated that his name was the Dream Keeper. No idea where that came from, but I know now without a doubt that that is his name. He put that in my brain. This is a really tricky story to talk about, and I'm going to say something that is not going to win me popularity points among the paranormal community. I'm not remotely trying to delegitimize Kate's story in any way, shape or form, but the way this story is laid out and the context of this story means that I would feel like it was pretty negligent to not state the fact that there are times when mental illness can cause people to experience almost symptoms of a haunting, if that makes sense. There are times when it does happen. Mental illnesses like schizophrenia can cause auditory and visual hallucinations. Lots of mental illnesses can cause paranoia and delusions. And sometimes, depending on how you're brought up, depending on where you're brought up, depending on the context of your belief system, it's sometimes easier for people to believe that it's a haunting rather than a mental health condition. People also sometimes would rather believe it's a mental health condition than a haunting. That works both ways. It is also true that often cycles of abuse are perpetuated throughout the generations of a family and human relationships are very difficult and complex we all know that and sometimes we don't want to believe that somebody that we love somebody that we previously thought the world of could possibly do anything negative ever so we prefer to believe there's darker forces at play which actually in some ways excuses people's behavior and negates the ideas around responsibility so look that seems very luxury and I apologize and it's very much like stating the obvious but there have been lots of stories over the years that are very similar and that have similar themes and ideas running through them so I thought it would be wrong if I didn't mention the fact that these things can happen because people are mentally unwell and abusive relationships can happen because people are abusive and if you as an individual are listening to this and you're concerned about something that's happening in your house you don't know whether you're to use a colloquialism like losing your mind or whether something's really going on, speak to somebody, speak to a professional, speak to like a safe member of your family or a safe friend, just somebody 
Speak to somebody about it. Get some help. Get some support. Don't try and figure it out all on your own. And I just want to make it very, very clear one more time that Kate, I am not saying that I don't believe your story and I am absolutely not saying that your story is purely about mental health issues. However, you raised some very good points about mental health issues and cyclical abuse in generations of families. And it seemed like a really good time to say that although we always assume the paranormal on this podcast, that's the point of the podcast. It is also appropriate to say that if there's somebody listening to this who is in a situation that they are concerned about their mental health or they're concerned about their relationship, to find somebody to talk to about it. What I kept thinking about during this story was the BFG. And I was fascinated by the BFG when I was a child and this idea that this person went around collecting dreams and blew the dreams into your bedroom with a big trumpet. Like, loved the idea. My favourite bit of that book was when we got the descriptions of the different dreams on the labels, on the jars, and little Sophie read them. That was my favourite thing. But I just wonder, like, if this shadow man is is a dream keeper, is the controller of your dreams, is it possible that you just happen to see him and when maybe you shouldn't have like those moments when you like open your eyes just a sliver just before you fall asleep and you become consciously aware of something in your room is that like the bfg sneaking in blowing your dream with a trumpet but in a much more crude form i mean either way i wouldn't want to wake up with a giant leaning into my bedroom with a big trumpet i'd have questions about that and i wouldn't want to wake up with a shadow man in my bedroom just before i fell into a nightmare also everybody's dreams are so vivid And they also seem to be like structured with a story. Mine are not. (laughs) I don't know if that says what that says about me, but my dreams are not structured like that at all. And story number two comes from Leanne. Kyle and I have been friends for ages now. It's that easy sort of connection that gives way to the sort of confidence that if you haven't heard from each other for a while, it's no sweat. Some years ago now, I was looking for interested parties to come with me to one of the more well-known haunted locations in Iowa. You can find us sandwiched between Minnesota and Missouri. The name of the place is Edinburgh Manor. Out in the middle of nowhere, it looms this Goliath, defunct, psychiatric home slash poor farm. It's a shame how often mental illness and financial insecurity intersect. While Kyle was full-on ready to go, kindly overlooking the fact that it was February in Iowa, the place that inspired Beyond the Wall in George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire saga. At least that's what we've forgotten Iowans like to believe. He spent three years as a professor in Iowa in the late 70s. We bundled up my equally enthusiastic teenage niece Isabel and armed ourselves with a gift of black salt, protective oil, garlic and white sage from a witchy co-worker of mine, and took off for the white wastes of the rural Midwest. We arrived, and were greeted by a kind little blonde woman in a parka. She welcomed us into the building, and took our admission fee for the group day tour, a very reasonable $10 each as I recall, and invited us to explore the more immediate areas of the building as we waited for the other tour members. It was absolutely freezing, Somehow it never occurred to us that no one was going to pay to heat this unoccupied behemoth. Frost covered the walls and snow blew in through what otherwise would have been imperceptible breaches in the building. 
I snapped a photo of my niece bemusedly reading a no seances, no Ouija boards sign posted specifically, but not exclusively for overnight visitors to Edinburgh. We all continued to snap away, hoping to hit that paranormal photo jackpot. Kyle and I walked down a long hall to what seemed to be a recreation room. As we passed the door of a WC, I heard a chesty, almost animal-like growl. Don't say anything, I thought. Practically on the heels of that thought, Kyle said, Did you hear that? Game on. We both sort of turned quaking and headed back up front and found that the last of the tour group were arriving. The tour itself was informative and interesting. Much of the information was terribly sad, and you got that sort of feeling from the building without translation into language. A discarded doll here, an old television with a broken screen there. That's not to say I wasn't a little jumpy. A fact that brought Isabel a great deal of delight every time her parka-sleeved brush mine, causing my six-foot frame to leap one more foot up while I yelled, Jesus! Some of the occurrences were sort of textbook. Batteries going dead on full and then resurrecting themselves. Digital photos that didn't show anything but streaks or swirls. Drops in temperature, even with the cold already set to frostbite. But aside from the growl that Kyle and I had heard, it was mostly just a strange historical tour in what felt like a very large industrial freezer. That said, when we were in the basement, I kept hearing music in the distance piano and a girl or a woman singing soprano. After a toilet stop in the adjoining and praises be heated building, we thanked the guide and piled back into the car dreaming of hot drinks and wishing we could tuck our feet into our armpits. Later Kyle would send me a picture of a faint face staring out of a window and another figure that appeared to be leaning strangely out of a door and into a hallway. Damn him, I'd gotten zilch. I didn't hold any grudges. We've gone on to have another ghost shenanigans which I'll write about another time. However, I have attached to this email two photos, one of which is mine. I just thought it was a lovely picture of Isabel, who I was missing since she'd grown up and moved to the West Coast. You've got to let them go, kids, but can apparently have photos printed of them in embarrassingly large quantities. And while it doesn't make up for the genuine article, doing so supplied me with what I believed to be my second ever paranormal photo. When I asked Iz what the hell she thought was peering over her right shoulder, she chuckled and said that it was probably one of her personal demons. When I sent it to Kyle, he sent back the photo of what I'll call the peeker and said that he had taken the photo close to that same location. You know the drill at this stage, ladies and gentlemen. The photos will be posted on Facebook, Instagram and Patreon. And the people in the photos will be blurred out. I always try and do that because I just feel like it makes more sense not to have people's faces, their live faces, their very much human faces seen by tens of thousands of people. So I am looking at these two photos as we speak. And... uh. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, kids. I don't know what to tell you. The first one, which Leanne has very helpfully coined as the Marshmallow Man. I I can't quite figure out what it might be. Because for all the world, it looks like 
Isabella is in the foreground of the photo standing in an empty corridor. So I don't quite understand what would have been behind her. It definitely doesn't look human, but it definitely looks humanoid, if that makes sense. And in the photo of the peeker, not happy about that one either, because it looks like that moment in the sixth sense when the alien walks out from the, the bushes at the child's birthday party. And both of those things do, do not make me happy. Okay, Marshmallow Man or Peeker, neither of them are welcome in my world. Answering number three comes from Louise. My stories are from when I used to live in Hull. The stories I have aren't ghost stories as such, more so weird experiences that I cannot explain. My first story is from when I used to stay over at my nana and granddad's house when I was young. When my parents divorced, my younger brother and I would stay at our grandparents' house at the weekend. They had always lived there and as far as I can tell, there wasn't anything else on the land before my grandparents' house was built on the open fields. As I was the eldest grandchild, I was given the choice of either the large spare bedroom at the front of the house or the small box room at the back of the house. For some reason, I chose the small box room. During the day, everything was fine, just your typical mid-century house. But at night, there was always a feeling of not being alone in my room. When it would get dark in the evening and I needed to use the bathroom, I would run up the stairs and head straight to the bathroom. And the same when I had finished and was going back downstairs. I would always keep my head down and make a point of not looking into my room. It always felt that there was something or someone there and I didn't want to find out. When I would go to bed, I would always sleep facing the wall and refused to open my eyes until I woke up the next day. The presence I felt never felt threatening. I just thought if I ignored it, it wouldn't bother me. I'd never experienced this anywhere else. The second story I have is about my granddad, whose house I would stay at in my first story. I've never been as close to anyone as I was to my granddad. He had a chair that he wouldn't let anyone else sit in but me. He took me to and from dance class twice a week for about 15 years and his pet name for me was Sweet Pea. My nana and granddad were sun worshippers, and were always planning their next holiday abroad. However, one holiday that they were getting ready to go on, my granddad turned around and said he wasn't particularly bothered about going, which was so not like him. I also had the strongest feeling that if he did go away, I would just never see him again. As he and my nana set off for the airport, my granddad and I just looked at each other, I waved them both off and put my misgivings to the back of my mind. Ten days into their two-week holiday, as I was getting ready for college, my mum came home from work super early, and I knew straight away that my granddad had died. I can't explain how, but it's as if both my granddad and I subconsciously knew what was going to happen, and we had said our own silent goodbye. My third and last story I have is from when I used to work in a pharmacy in an old part of town. The building in which the business was situated was an early Victorian terrace. There were three floors. The bottom floor where the pharmacy was, the second floor that was derelict but was used as a storage facility, and the third floor was condemned due to fire damage. The second floor always had a creepy feel to it. I put it down to the room still having their original features, old wallpaper, fireplaces, wonky doorways and big arched windows that had been partially boarded up. A colleague and I used to joke with each other and pretend to talk to ghosts that we thought weren't there 
whenever we had to go onto that particular floor. One day, though, I was in there on my own going through some old stock and I was drawn to look into the room opposite. I saw three lights hovering in the middle of the room in an off-centre triangle type shape. My hair stood on end and I thought that I must be seeing things. I closed my eyes and shook my head before looking again. The lights had gone, but instead there was a big black ball of fog that seemed to be floating. It was in one of the rooms that had the windows boarded up, so it wasn't a trick of the light. I bolted out of the place and my colleague asked what had happened. I tried explaining but they all just laughed at me and said I'd seen too much TV. I didn't care if they didn't believe me. I know what I saw and I would only ever go into the first room on the second floor and I made sure never to say or do anything to piss off the resident spirit again. I'm really nailing my colours to the mask today but I'm just going to come out and say it. I think that some people know when they're going to die. I think that some people, whether they feel something in their bodies and they don't know what that is and then they don't have the ability to like understand what is going on but their brain instinctively knows that they're dying. I mean, you might not be able to say, I'm going to go on this holiday and I'm going to die in this particular way. But your body might instinctively be recognising that something isn't quite working right. And then you get that feeling of dread and doom that you can't quite quantify, but you know it's going to happen. Or I just think that some people just know, which is also connected to the fact that I do think that people with a really strong connection, like you and your granddad, for example, I do think some people just know when their loved ones die. They know that it's going to happen or they recognise when it has happened before anybody tells them. And is it about energy? Is it about understanding somebody's energy? Is it about like auras, even though I don't really know what an aura is? But you know, is it is it that you instinctively see something in somebody, but you don't have the cognitive language or ability to be able to explain what that is, but you just instinctively know? Which links to the last story, really, like are those little balls of light that then turned into a black mist? Are they like little balls of energy? So ghostly, but not exactly ghosts. You know the way ghost photos and paranormal TV shows always talk about orbs, which 99% of the time look like dust. But every so often you do get like a video or a picture or whatever of an orb that does make you go, oh, that's pretty interesting. What the heck is that? And we've had loads of stories about people seeing different coloured balls of light at various stages of a haunting. So maybe it is like a ghost in, in some sort of form of a ball of energy who knows and story number four comes from rose i lost my father in 2015 to lung cancer i took him for his treatments and created a playlist on my ipod for him it consisted mostly of johnny cash his favorite my father didn't believe in ghosts and although i haven't seen him except in dreams once in a while i feel that he has given me signs that he's still around I was listening to my iPod one day and every song that came on was from his playlist even though I was shuffling all my songs and his songs made up a small fraction. I asked, is that you? And when I looked, the license plate on the car in front of me had dad as the first three letters. My dad loved tea and would give me money on my birthday in the envelope tea bags came in and would write a note on the envelope. On my birthday... 
I went in my drawer and found one of the tea bags that said happy birthday. I wrote it off because I knew the tea bag was in there and didn't want to read too much into it. But under the tea bag was a book, Hello from Heaven. I thanked him for the birthday wishes. The first Father's Day after he died, I went to visit him at the cemetery. I came home and put some music on Pandora. I picked a pop station and Johnny Cash came on. The song was Give My Love to Rose, which is my name. While other things have happened, music seems to be his favourite way of reminding me that he's still around. I miss him every day, and it's nice to get a sign that he's gone from my sight only. Oh, what a nice way to think about it, that they're just gone from your sight. You might not be able to see them, but they're still around. Oh, I can't believe the Johnny Cash song that came on was Give My Love to Rose. Oh, that made me get a bit emotional, I have to say, when I was reading it. I was a bit like, oh, don't start crying. I love stories about loved ones who come back and give little signs that they're still around. And I don't really care what people believe, you know what I mean? Like whether you're a sceptic or a believer or whether you think it's all nonsense, whatever. If that happens and it brings you comfort and it makes you feel like that person is still around and if that is people's way after they passed of coming back and showing that they're still around, just embrace it, take the comfort from it and enjoy it. And story number five comes from Mike. I currently live in California. I grew up in a small town in New Hampshire near Portsmouth. My parents bought the house in the late 1960s. The only people who lived there before them was a young couple that lived there for a few years. The house was built in the 1960s, so it wasn't that old when I was growing up in the late 70s to 80s to 90s. The land is very old. European settlers had been living on that land for hundreds of years and Native Americans had been living on that land for tens of thousands of years. There was an unmarked graveyard across the street. Unmarked graveyards are common in New England. There was a forest behind the house and a field across from the house. In my neighbourhood, houses were spread out 50 to 100 feet away from each other. There was a low rock wall around the house which is common in New England. Occasionally, my mom, three older brothers and I would use the Ouija board. Two of us at a time would use the Ouija board. Jeremy and I couldn't even get the piece to move. My mom and Steve could get it to move around a lot. If I used it with mom or Steve, then it would move. Anthony, Jeremy and I couldn't get it to move unless mom or Steve used it with us. The piece would move and tell us the name of the spirit, what country or state it was from and what time period it lived in and whether it fought in any wars. The spirits we connected with seemed like normal, decent people, who once lived and passed away, never anything dark or malevolent. I went to college in Maine, lived in Alaska for four months, lived in South Carolina where my parents retired for eight months, then Alabama for two years, then South Carolina again for ten months, and then California for the past seventeen and a half years. I'm in a valley area about an hour from San Francisco. I currently live with my Korean wife, one of her sisters and a seven-year-old son. When I was in seventh grade in 1990 to 1991, my older brothers had all either gone to college or graduated from college. I then moved out of the room with three beds and moved into the room with one bed. For the first few years, I didn't experience anything in that room. It had a closet that had a door in the back that led to the attic. The attic had a door in the back that led to a storage space above the garage. 
One night when I was in sophomore in high school, shortly after I got in bed and turned out the lights, there was a hissing sound right above me. I was so terrified I pulled the covers over my head. This was not a dream and it was not sleep paralysis. I was awake and scared for my life. This hissing sound was going on for what seemed like 15 minutes and then it stopped. My heart was pounding and it took a while for me to go to sleep. This happened five times when I was a sophomore in high school and it didn't happen again. My mom passed away from ovarian cancer in May of 2007. In December of 2007, my girlfriend who I married in 2009 went with me to visit my dad in South Carolina near Charleston. Near the door to the room my girlfriend and I were staying in was a glass-covered shelf with all these creepy-looking dolls my mom had as a kid in the 40s and 50s. On the first night of our visit, my girlfriend and I saw the door open by itself. A window was open, but there was no draft. If there was a draft, it would have closed the door, not opened it. The door opened in the opposite direction of any possible draft, of which there was none. My brother Jeremy, who lives in Massachusetts, near Boston, said that when his son Rowan was little in the 2000s, he would back up against the wall in one of the rooms and point to the opposite wall and say, She's over there. One time when his daughter Jaden was little and going upstairs with his wife, Jaden pointed at the ceiling and said that there was a ghost of a little girl there. Jaden then said to her mom, Mommy, why would the ghost tell me to take my clothes off? Jaden's mom got scared, ran upstairs with Jaden and put her to bed. One time, Jeremy heard a voice say his name in his ear when he was the only one in the house. Another time, his wife sensed the spirit of my mom in the house. She asked for a sign and saw a towel on the towel holder move by itself in the bathroom. She got scared and ran out of the bathroom. Jeremy did some research and discovered that in the early 1900s, a little girl drowned in a pond nearby. Jeremy and his family think that the ghost is that little girl. Jeremy and his wife had met with a medium who told them that there is a ghost of a little girl in the house. The medium knew details of Jeremy, his family and of the house that she couldn't possibly have known. She said that the little girl liked the closet because of the toys in there. I work at a fish facility in California that was built in 1957. I'm part of the bio team as a fish biologist. There are also operators who drive the fish truck. The bio team works Monday to Friday and has weekends and holidays off. The operators are there 24-7, 10 days in a row and get 4 days off. The fish facility saves fish from the pumping plant and relocates the fish to other parts of the California Delta. One of the operators told me that one night he saw on one of the monitors that a pickup truck was going through the gate. He went all over the fish facility to look for this vehicle and it was nowhere to be seen. Another operator saw the same thing and even saw a hand come out of the pickup truck door to put the code in to open the gate and couldn't find the vehicle anywhere. One evening, two operators saw someone with a baseball cap standing there looking at them from around 20 feet away. When one of the operators walked over to him, he disappeared. One operator said that one evening he heard his name being called out when he was the only one there. Another operator said that every time she's on a swing or a graveyard shift, she sees these orbs on one of the monitors going up and down. One time, when I was in an aquaculture building by myself, I heard something crash to the floor. 
A long PVC pipe that was leaning against the wall was pushed over onto the floor. I was not alone in that building. Some entity was in there with me and it freaked me out. At my house in California, there was one time when my wife and son were not home yet and I was going to bed. Shortly after going to bed, I felt something jump on top of me. That was pretty scary. One time, the TV turned on by itself. When I walked over to turn it off, I saw that the TV was channel surfing as if someone was trying to decide what show or movie to watch. The TV was changing channels by itself every 10 to 20 seconds. This freaked me out, so I turned off the TV and left the room right away. Fortunately, the TV did not turn back on. I have to apologise before I go any further for the rumbling sound in the background. Or if you heard the sound of voices at all during this episode, promise you I'm not haunted. Firstly, my neighbours are home and the sound seems to be travelling particularly well today. And secondly, just as I was in the middle of recording that, um, somebody came out with a lawnmower. And we're on a tight schedule. You know, we got to get this stuff done. So I just had to persevere. And I did that thing where I was like, okay, I'll stop and wait for them to take a break. And then when they'd take a break, I'd go to start recording. And then they'd start mowing again. So we just had to go for it. So I apologise. Mike, I'm terribly sorry that your story was interjected with the sound of a lawnmower. But maybe it works for like the picturesqueness of New England countryside, you know? If you heard that hissing sound, is it possible that it was an animal? I know you've probably gone through all those possibilities already. I don't know what animals would be native to that area that would make that sound like a a really long hissing sound. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want it to be an animal or if I'd want it to be a haunting because I feel like any animals that make elongated hissing sounds have the capacity to fuck you up, you know? And again, we just have general little kids being generally spooky. Kids are just spooky little beans. That's just a fact. There's no escaping it, apparently. I wonder what the fish facility was before it was a fish facility or or was there, was there even anything there beforehand or was it always just a fish facility? And I'd love to know if anything had happened there, whether there had been any accidents, whether any weird things had happened, because it does sound like residual energy is going on there. But 1957 isn't really that long ago, so there would have been reports of stuff that had happened in the facility if it had happened since it had been in operation, you know? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Kate, Leanne, Louise, Rose and Mike for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 11th of January 2022. If you are desperate for more content, you can get more content on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and also all of the main episodes and the mini episodes ad free. If you want to know anything about the podcast, all you have to do is check out Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>